Well, good morning. It's uh, been a great ride up here to uh, Victoria Corner. And uh, it's really neat to see the student body and students coming in and that you're here studying the Word of God. And you're either here to study the Word of God in Victoria Corner or this is a really good witness protection program for you. you (laughs) It's one or the other. But it is really exciting to see young adults training and studying God's Word. And I had the opportunity, I've just come back last week, from the opportunity to be out at Briarcrest Bible College, and I wasn't out there speaking, I was out there doing some research, and uh, it was just neat to see that campus and students studying the Word of God there, and uh, I, I get the opportunity to travel and speak to a variety of, uh, of groups, maybe not just young adults, but teenagers as well, and uh, I certainly love to see when they're gathered together to worship God and to study His Word, that's just fantastic. As you think about being here and studying, you know, I'm sure many of you are thinking about uh, reflecting often on uh, what it is that God's going to have you do, kind of the next step, kind of the after uh, MBBI, uh, whether you're here for the one-year program or you're here for a longer period, you're probably contemplating that a lot. What is it that uh, God will have you do? And so this is a great time in life to be contemplating that and to be thinking about that. And sometimes we would like to have those things written in the sky, you know, kind of a a clear directive, maybe an inbox in our Facebook, this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, And as, but as you come before the Lord, and as you, as you reflect on that, you know, I can remember uh, going through uh, those years myself, and when I, as, as was mentioned, I'm principal at a Christian school down in Sussex, and when I first went there as a teacher, I remember uh, I went, for my first year of teaching as a high school teacher, I, I was so frightened of the students and trying not to let it show uh, that first year. And I remember uh, reading the verse, seeing the verse in Luke, to whom much is given, much is required. That's a paraphrase, but that principle of, you know, there's been much given to you and much built into you, and now it's your turn to give back. And I remember thinking very clearly of uh, many of the people who had invested in my life. And uh, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home and was brought to church and Sunday school and Awana and youth group and went to Christian school. And I had this long line of people who had invested in my life in a positive way uh, for, to impact me for Christ. And, and I recognized in that moment when I started teaching, okay, it's my turn. It's my turn to give back and to invest into the lives of young people. So this is an exciting journey that you're on when you're thinking about, you know, how am I going to invest? And I'm sure there's been many, many people that are not here in this room that are represented in your lives, people who have impacted you and people who have uh, lived out a testimony in front of you that have been an example. And now thinking about training to move on to the next thing is, is exciting. And this morning, I want to give you a bit of an overview of some of the things that we talk about with uh, the Christian Action Federation. And I travel and speak with them, and basically what our mandate is is to do preventative education with young people wherever we can uh, get in to do that. And we do go into public schools and talk with students there. As was mentioned, often we talk there about things like peer pressure and uh, drug and alcohol abuse that in the history of the Christian Action Federation, we were talking about that 50 years ago when it wasn't being talked about a lot in schools. I wasn't talking about it 50 years ago, understand. I was not here 50 years ago to talk about it, but uh, I hope that you understood that. I, I didn't look 50 today. But, uh, and, and then we go into churches and youth groups and, and a variety of other settings and talk with young people, just in a, maybe in a bit of a different way. 
Uh, and just really, but all of our programming is developed from biblical principles and, and looking to God's word uh, for clear direction on how to live. And as we think about that and look at Proverbs chapter 3 in uh, verse 7 and 8, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. That basically when we think about looking at God, in God's word for principles to live our lives, that uh, it would be health to us. And, you know, I tell kids when I go out and talk to them, you can't, you can't open up the scriptures and see chapter and verse on how to, how to act and interact on Facebook. Like, there's not that, like, there's not that direct idea of, uh, this, is, this is what I, thou shalt post and this is, you know, what you should not post kind of thing. But uh, there, there are principles that we can extract from God's word that we can apply to every area of our lives. And even as we see you know, the digital era uh, kind of come upon us. And that's how uh, we, a few years older than maybe you are here today as students, so that's how we feel. We feel like the digital era has just kind of come over us like, like a bit of a wave, you know. And uh, there, there's so much being beamed into us at, 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 at any given point in time. And media is such a huge thing. And I talk to, to young people about, about media and the idea of making good choices, that we're even making choices. I think sometimes, as I observe uh, teenagers, I observe that uh, there's sometimes not even choice. It's just kind of going with what's popular and going with what is. And if we uh, claim to know Christ and are following him, we, we really need to stop and reflect what it is that we're taking in in regards to media and, and really stopping and, and thinking about that in an intentional way. And that we're, that we're not just going with kind of what is or what is popular, but that we're, that we're moving, uh, we're moving to, to really wanting to do things in that regard to, to pleasing God with our lives. As we think about the idea of technology, how many people here have a cell phone? Okay. A couple of people. That's good. I always, when I talk to groups of younger teens, like I'll say, who has a cell phone? And some of them will put their hands up and I'll say, there's always just two, two groups, people who have them and people who want them. Like that's just, <laughs> that tends to be, uh, the, you know, the, the idea. But phones are, you know, cell phones and iPods and these things have become so precious to us, you know, that uh, not just because they're expensive to buy, you know, if you've got one of those fancy iPhones, uh, I won't ask you to raise your hand who has the Samsung Galaxy and who has the iPhone because I don't want to start, you know, a, a Mac thing happening here. But, uh, you know, the idea that, that we can carry it around in our pocket and, and the idea that we can uh, be connected to so much so quickly, it, it's a little bit frightening for people that are, again, older than you guys because you've grown up with this, so it doesn't frighten you. But, you know, the idea that there is so much and it's moving so quickly and so fast. But, you know, when we look at technology, we are pleased for technology in many other areas, you know, and, and uh, it, it makes our lives more comfortable and nobody delivers ice to my house for my ice box. You know, I actually have a refrigerator. It's much easier than if I had to actually go back to the, you know, the old-fashioned ice box. And I'm glad that I have a wash machine and a dryer and those kinds of things. But, it, and it's, but as we think about digital technology, I think we have to, to look at Psalm 46.10 and ask for those moments when we need to be still. And as it says in Psalms, be still and know that I am God. The idea that we would be uh, quieted enough that we could hear the voice of God without always something playing in the background. 
your demographic is the millennial generation. I'm sure you've heard that and been called that. And, and kind of the average screen time is about 20, 25, 26 hours a week. And I don't know if that's true or false here or if you have less screen time or with screens in front of you. But, you know, we almost have to be in, in really intentional in our lives to say, I'm going to get away from the screen. I'm not going to be connected to the Internet or I'm not going to be uh, on my cell phone. I'm, I'm going to be still. And that's really difficult in our culture. And something that, uh, you know, I, I've read different things, and I'm sure you have as well, on, on media fasts and the idea of, of taking a break from, uh, from media, that, that we wouldn't constantly have something running through uh, our minds or in the backdrop of our lives. You know, thinking about, you know, things like television programs and movie choices and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, the idea of this quote, I think, sums it up well. Every movie is a sermon with pictures. You know, in the sense that there's a message, right? And, and I'm sure you're at a point where you're able to be quite discerning on what the message is. And as, as you work with youth and, and uh, deal with them, you know, it's really important that we're, that we're thinking through, you know, what are the messages that are being portrayed? What's the worldview that's there and that's present and, and I think more and more we need to teach young people to be critical thinkers, to be able to think through some of those things. Like, what is the message being portrayed here? What is, you know, oftentimes, what is the lie that's being spun as truth? I think that's often the case, that we can think there's, you know, there's something here that's being presented as though it, it looks good, but we know from the Word of God and balancing it with Scripture, we know that, that the principles being portrayed are not good. And, you know, we're at a really particularly vulnerable time in our lives when, you know, kids are between, like, 15 and, and 18 in those years. Like, we're, we're vulnerable to what it is we're being entertained by. And we can pick up a worldview, you know, while we're being entertained. And so it's something that uh, is really important as you train for, for youth leadership that you're thinking through those things. To me, I think that's important anyway. When it comes to sin... The fools laugh, excuse, justify, ignore, deny, joke, and reject truth. Sin is not evil. Sin is good. Sin is pleasing. Sin is watching out for number one. Sin is just a way of life. And I think we could apply this to tons of, you know, sitcoms that we see on TV or that we, or, or that, uh, we read about. And I've picked on one here uh, that I've put up, but we could, you know, I could just keep flashing through pictures, right? Where, again... The lie is presented as truth. Sin is good. Sin is pleasing. You know, they don't call it sin, of course. We only know that it's sin because of what we read in God's word. But we see this twisted and turned and twisted and turned, and it's turned into a joke, and it's to laugh. And, and uh, one great Christian writer said that true character can be found in what we laugh at. Often, I read that years ago, and I've, it stuck with me. True character is found in what we laugh at what we find funny, you know, and, and record it by Hollywood over and over and over again to laugh at things that God says are sinful. And it just, it can happen without, uh, if we're not putting any kind of thought into it or we're not bringing that part of our lives before God, uh, it can happen very, very subtly. And it can happen not just, you know, between 15 and 18. One of the things that I've noticed about Facebook that I found so interesting is the, the marketing ploy, have you noticed that around Facebook, that like on your Facebook page it'll be marketed to your demographic if you've put your age in? And for a while I was bringing up my Facebook page 
and there was all these ads uh, for Weight Watchers around the outside. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Uh, and then there would be all these other things that would come up uh, for advertisements, and I would think, wow, that's weird. Like, over and over again, these are kind of things like that all would be like in my age bracket and demographic. It took me a while to figure it out. I'm older than you guys, so I didn't, I, I'm not, I wasn't raised on the internet like you've been. So it took me, like, it took me a few days to figure out that they were taking my age and marketing on my page things that were for people in my demographic. And, and if you've not observed that, you can look at, and I noticed that on my husband's Facebook page, it's, there's, there's different things that are marketed to him. And there's different things that we marketed to you. And if you put your age in, it's just, it's interesting that, you know, it's the advertising's like critiqued right to your age bracket and your demographic. And I think about that just in theory about, you know, the media. And it really has something to entice all of us and to get any of us off track no matter what our age is. And there's certain things for, uh, for you know, for certain, certain groups. How can you mock sin? Sin is so awful and so unholy that God can't stand it. Must punish it. Sin so heinous that the penalty for sin, the only remedy for sin, as we know, the only wage for which sin was ever worthy is death. It's not a toy with which to be played. Sin is not a game. Sin is not a game. And yet, Hollywood markets it that way to us, right? And this show, Charlie Sheen, of course, two or three years ago, he was in the news uh, for doing all kinds of weird stuff. But uh, this show, his show, Two and a Half Men, is it was a really, really popular show. Uh, and and uh, number one sitcom for, you know, for year after year kind of thing. And it's just a half-hour show, and so if you take the commercials out, it's 22 minutes long. And in 22 minutes, 90 to 100 sexual innuendos. And, it, it, you know, I wouldn't encourage anybody to watch the show uh, I've never watched a whole episode because it's just, it's just not, it's just not even, even worth my time. But uh, I, have, I have read this and, people who, and known people who have done it and counted. And that literally uh, is, is the number per episode that you come up with. You think about that. 90 to 100 times in 22 minutes. We take something, uh, we take God's truth, twist it, and say, okay, we're going to twist it and turn it this way and that way. Uh, and pervert it, and then we, we, we're going to court the audience to laugh 90 to 100 times in 22 minutes at what God calls sin. Like, again, I could flash music group after music group up here, right? But when we think about uh, Headley's, a fairly uh, popular Canadian group, maybe not quite as popular as they were, but Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them who twist and turn the truth, who turn the, the, and say, oh no, this, this what God calls as evil, oh no, no, it's good, it's funny, it's pleasing, it's happy. You know, that so much of, as I go out and talk to kids about music, so much of music, like what's popular as far as like the top 40, you know, the top 40 songs, in our nation. If we were to, to, to bring them up on the internet today, we could, you know, go into Billboard and, and say, okay, what, what are the top 40 songs in Canada today? You know? And, and you can probably list what, what some of them are, and you aren't listening to them here, of course, at MBBI. Uh, but, you know, outside of here, that's what people, 
people are doing sometimes. Uh, listening to the to the top 40. And uh, if you think about, you go through, you know, if you do that little field trip and go through each one and say, you know, what is the sermon here? What is the message? What's it saying? And we really think about that, you know, probably those of those top 40 songs, we would find that 37, 38, 39, maybe 40 of them today, are, I don't know what's on there, uh, would be, you know, just totally opposite of how God's teaching us to live in the scriptures. It's completely opposite. And they're put together with great, um, a, a great deal of money, uh, with a great deal of, um, you know, talented people many times that can mix and put things together to just be so pleasing to our uh, generation and to our time. But what are they really, what are they really saying? Francis Schaeffer, who was a great writer who's gone now, but he was a great writer about culture. And he talked about how, you know, what we see in culture is often a thermometer for where a, a culture is for God. Like where you're seeing, what, what we see come out in popular culture, like in the arts. You know, what we see reflected in the arts in different eras of history often reflects, is a, is a reflection of where uh, a, a nation is with, with God. And one of the things that he, five things that he talked about that were apparent at the fall of the Roman Empire, which, you know, these weren't things that Francis Schaeffer came up with. They were things he observed. Uh, and if you read any history on the Roman Empire and when it fell, uh, you'll, you'll read these five things over and over again. That these are some of the things that were apparent in Rome at its fall. And when I think about North America, and I've do some research on what the popular music is and what the popular television is and what the popular movies are and what the popular books are to read. Uh, I see a lot of this reflected. And as we look at that, we can say, well, yeah, it's all terrible, and it's, you know, but what are, we, what are we doing individually as Christians? What are we doing? What are our practices? What kind of example are we setting and are we going to be? And I think, you know, I told you as I started about my experience starting out teaching at a Christian high school and, and realizing, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And I wasn't given much in the way of talent or abilities. I don't mean that. I was given people who built into my life in droves, like lineups of people who, who had impacted me, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, uh, people who, who taught me in school, people who really invested in my spiritual well-being. That's what I had been given. And in that moment... I realize that I'm in charge of this group of students and I have to be an example. Oh, it just felt like this huge weight. And then realizing, of course, it wasn't what I, what I was going to do. It was going to be what Christ did through me. But I just remember that moment thinking, oh, I have to be the example. This is frightening. And it's a good moment. It's a good moment of maturity and growing up when you realize, you know what, there's more than me in the world. And it's not just about what I'm going to do. It's about, you know, who, who am I leading and who am I discipling and who's coming behind me. And, and so that's what I'm saying, you know, as we think about that concept of leading, that we, we have to think about uh, what we're setting as an example. Video games is a really, uh, really touchy subject. And it gets kind of, all the, kind of the oxygen goes out of the room sometimes when I start to talk about video games. Focus on the Family has a great site, uh, you, and a lot of you might be familiar with it, plugged in online. And they uh, evaluate 
video games and movies and music and all kinds of stuff from a Christian perspective. It's kind of a neat, I often think it would be a neat, neat job in some ways to, to work for them and do some of those kinds of things with popular culture. And they're helping us as an organization to weigh out, you know, uh, do I need to bother with this? Uh, or is, is there something worthwhile that I can extract from this? But they, they differ, from time to time, they'll put up boards where people will comment and they'll put a question on and people will comment. And uh, a few years ago, they put up, uh, they, they put up uh, a tagline about Halo. It was when the new Halo, edition of Halo, the last new edition, not the newest, newest edition, but the last one, was out. And how uh, they put on there, you know, is it okay to play video games at youth group? And to date, the last time I read it was the most heated debate online that they've had at this point. You know, of all things that they've debated... Uh, you know, other things seem to be much more cut and dry, so there's a lot less debate. There's a lot of debate about this. And I don't know how we got here, but I often hear kids at, at this, the Christian school will say to me, uh, you know, this, is, this actually isn't bad, it's just violent. Like, if it's, like, let's say we're, you know, going to watch a movie or there's something, that activity that we're having, and they'll say, well, you can put this movie on, it's okay, it's not bad. It just has the rating because it's violent. And I hear that over and over and over again. Like somehow that's a mentality that we have that violence isn't bad. We, we figured out that there's some other things that are bad. But, you know, violence isn't bad. So you, surely you wouldn't mind a movie that was violent. Like, it's not bad. It's just violent. And I know they have no idea, you know, kind of how that all comes out and how that's connected. But, you know, and as we, you know, I'm, you are students of the scriptures and you see uh, violence, of course, in the, in the Old Testament, and you see all, read all those stories and, and, and look at that, but yet with a purpose, right? With meaning behind even that, that there's a, there's a meaning behind it. And I, I'm, I'm very concerned about this culture where, you know, we kind of manipulate so much violence hour by hour by hour. And I'm really concerned about, and I'm going to really uh, hit you guys with this today, I'm very concerned that that seems to be when it comes to leading teens, it's more like, okay, I have another person to play video games with. And they're, like, the youth, sometimes in youth groups and things, like with youth, they're like, I have somebody else to play video games. And they're, like, they've been doing it longer, so they're even better than I am, and it's great. And, and, and we can play more video games. It's fantastic. Uh, and I, I, I feel sometimes like, you know, kids don't necessarily need somebody else to play video games with. This is like my personal opinion. I realize this is like the oxygen. It's going into the room to say it. But I really believe they need people to mentor them through that process. And that if, if video games are your thing, then, then you can certainly be on the front lines helping uh, to say, you know, here are the dangers of this. And here are, uh, you know, here, here's how this can rob us of so much of our time. And here's how you can guard this carefully. And here's how you choose wisely. And that, that's just, it would be so refreshing to have that kind of impact to me on youth, youth that we would be impacting in that way and saying, you know, uh, we need to really guard this and be, and be careful with this. It can be really dangerous. And we can be desensitized. We can even become addicted. And, you know, there's certain things as you're going up through church, and I've given you a little bit about my testimony, like there's certain things you just know you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to smoke cigarettes. And you're not supposed to drink alcohol. And you're not supposed to, you know, you've got this list and you just know these are the things that you don't want anybody calling your mother about. Like, catching you doing growing up. Like, this is just really important. 
And you kind of have this idea of this like little checklist that we're not doing these things, but you know, some of the number one addictions that are, that are coming up now amongst us as, as uh, a younger generation is being addicted to things like video games and being addicted to the internet. And psychologists aren't quite sure if we can be addicted, but they're saying, oh, it looks like addiction. Uh, well, if it looks like it and acts like it, it could very well be. But I think it's something we really need to think about and, and, and guard against. And again, these are the things, right, that we, we know are, uh, can be harmful to us. And as I go out and talk to teens, I talk about uh, alcohol abuse and talk about the dangers of, of alcohol. I was up here last spring talking with uh, teens over at Heartland Community School. And it was, it was interesting. I, there was an addictions counselor there the day I was there to speak. And so the principal said to me, the addictions counselor is going to sit in on your session. I was like, oh, good. Like, I wasn't really excited because I figured the addiction counselor knew probably uh, more than I did about what I was going to say because I talk a lot more with kids about why they're doing what they're doing and not, you know, here's the list of, here's the list of uh, bad results. But the addictions counselor came up and talked to me after, and she said, uh, you know, it's great that you're doing preventative education. This is good. And she said, kids often ask me what the most dangerous drug is that I deal with. And she said, they expect me to say crystal meth or, you know, something like that. And she said, I always tell them the same thing, that it's, that it's alcohol. Alcohol. And I was like, really? Like, they were surprised. And I was surprised. I said, really? She said, because our society doesn't treat it like a drug. And she said, it is. And it's extremely dangerous. And people can die if they drink too much of it at once. Like, it's extremely dangerous. And, and uh, I thought that was really interesting. And I didn't get the sense from her at all that she was a believer, like that she was a, a, a Christ follower. I didn't get that sense from her at all, but that, that was her conclusion after dealing with a lot of young people who were battling addiction. It's a serious issue. 79%, 79% of our teens in New Brunswick, before they leave high school, are already experimenting with alcohol. 79% in the province of New Brunswick. That's a staggering statistic. Legal drinking age is 19. And yet we've got our 18-year-olds who are finishing high school, 79% in our, prov- our fine, beautiful province, already experimenting with alcohol. And it, a lot of you are coming right out of high school. And, and some, those of you that are freshmen, uh, you are, you're here right from the kind of the thick of it. And you can think, think about your high school and your experience and, you know, the students, if you went to public school, you know, students you went with. And, and I, that statistic, you think about that, you know, that a lot of the students that you went to school with were maybe already experimenting with those things. Proverbs says to guard our heart. And if you look at, at, at how that kind of directly translates, it's the shelf, the heart being translated as the shelf of our emotions. And many times teenagers make poor choices out of the emotional uh, throws that are happening uh, within them and a lot of changes and a lot of biochemical changes. And, you know, it was so wise to have that verse in the scriptures. Obviously, you know, God's infinite wisdom, he's put in the scriptures. You guard the shelf of your emotions. Guard, Guard that part of you because out of that, out of the shelf of your emotions, will all of the decisions that you make. And so we have to give that part of ourselves... Uh, over to, to the Lord. And that's so often I see young people making decisions out of, uh, out of being angry or out of being anxious 
or out of being insecure about where they are with, uh, with their peers. You know, you're the next generation going out to be leaders. I hope you'll take strong stands on things like legalizing marijuana. You know, these are, we live in a society where they're very casual about these kinds of things. And, and uh, a lot of people, again, uh, mis- misunderstand the seriousness of it. Using good character on the internet. Do you have, actually, I'm going to ask, I was going to ask this question, but I know the answer. You do have the internet here in Victoria Corner. It's fantastic. I didn't even need a password to get on. My iPad brought it right up. I don't know if that's supposed to happen. But anyway, it did. The internet's so huge. It's such a ginormous thing for us to manage in our lives. And I know you're hard, you hardly think about that because you probably pretty much always remember the internet. Uh, I, I remember when we, you know, we didn't have the internet. I was through college before I knew about the internet. Imagine I did papers and essays and things without the internet. Imagine that happened. It's true. Teaching kids about how to be responsible with the internet. I think if you ever catch the news, and maybe you don't watch the news, or maybe you watch the news online, but you can see a lot of young people in turmoil with the internet and their use of the internet. And and one of the things I go out when I talk to public schools, I talk about uh, using good using good judgment with the internet. And again, Romans 12:2 is a great guideline for us that we wouldn't conform to this world, but that because of uh, who we are in Christ, we would be transformed, and we would we would look for God's will in our lives, not just what's going with what is the popular trend. Is there? There's. I know there's the internet here in Victoria Corner. Is there any dating that goes on here? Okay. Wasn't a straight answer. <laughs> You know, and it's really uh, dating. I talk about dating when I, I, this is just kind of an overview of some of the talks that I give, and dating is one of them. And, you know, I always try to encourage Christian young people to really develop a biblical philosophy of dating. You know, that you come before God and you, you ask him to, to reveal how, you know, through the scriptures, how he wants that to happen for you. Because dating is a really North American concept that's not found in the Bible. Again, there's not like a dating 101 that comes out of the Bible. But there certainly are many, many guiding principles that help us to guard our heart to that and qualities that we're looking for. You know, I can't talk about the internet. I put this in that uh, there's just all kinds of opportunity. D.L. Moody said, uh, true character is who you are in the dark. Uh, I think we, if we look at that, we could say, in, in today's time, we could update Moody's quote and say, true character is who you are in the internet and what you're viewing on the internet, and your interactions on the internet. And I think kids sometimes really misunderstand that, you know, there's a virtual world and there's a real world, but if you're, if you're manipulating something in the virtual world, like, that is you. And I think there's a bit of a, uh, of a breakdown there in that thought pattern. And as we, as just as we close, I, uh, wow, that's weird. Okay, well, that's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The idea that uh, God will not tempt us beyond what we can bear, but that he will provide a way of escape. And talking to Christian young people, especially about, uh, you know, escaping peer pressure and ways to avoid peer pressure. And to get out of situations that they, they're being courted or asked to, to, to do things that are sinful. And, you know, again, we face that at any age, right? What, you know, 
uh, what movie are we going to watch, what movie are we going to see, what, what, you know, what are we going to do with this or with that, and, and oftentimes we can get caught up with, well, everybody's, you know, doing this, and we don't, we don't want to say, even as we get older, as young adults and as adults even, that can, that can plague us and can, uh, can be something that uh, we need a little help with. And of course, uh, is the word of God as our authority, that is, uh, that is paramount, right? That God's word becomes uh, the principles in God's word when we're following him, that, 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 that God uses that to work in us and through us to set our, our standards on these things. You know, that we wouldn't be passive, but that we would be active. I used to teach English, and we talk about the difference between active and passive verbs. And active verbs, you know, the subject's doing the action. Passive, it's being done to them. And I think of that concept, uh, well, I don't think about English concepts all the time and grammar all the time, but I do think about this one. You know, the idea that uh, when we come to follow Christ, we're asked to be different than the culture and to be active about choosing to follow and, and to serve him in all of our decision-making in our lives. And that really it's our mandate then to make disciples, to, to help others to find their way to him. So as you think about being on that leadership track and directing others, that we're thinking of, you know, we're not going to be perfect, but we're going we're gonna to work on this and really bring this before God so that we can be an example to those we are discipling behind us. And so the Christian Action Federation, these are the, some of the things that we do and uh, wanting young people to live uh, their lives with scriptural success. We can't always say uh, all of that when we're out in, especially in public school classrooms, but still we I always remind kids you've been given a wonderful gift called life. And I, you know, in those public school settings, like when it's everybody from the school, like it's not a, uh, a specialized youth group or something within the school, I can't say that gift comes from God. But I certainly hope and pray uh, that, they, that, that they catch that and that it's somewhere uh, as they travel through our fine province in churches and youth groups and Awana groups and that kind of thing, that they certainly uh, are able to find that and embrace that. So as you think about the different things that God lays before you uh, and what it is that you're supposed to do in the future, you know, a ministry like Christian Action Federation, uh, going out and working with young people and teaching them uh, it might be something that is of interest to you. And I have some literature with me that if you want to talk to me after, I don't know if they have time to do that, but uh, maybe you can get like a special pass. I can write you, and my students, I'd write them out a note. Uh, you're fine, you're good. Uh, it's okay to be late, but I don't, I don't have any, my signature doesn't have any power here, so <laughs> I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, anyway, you can come up and get those things for me as, as you go. We're online. Uh, we don't have a lot online, but we do keep our newsletters and articles and things up there. And some of you, I don't know if any of you are writers, if you like to write, uh, but uh, we put out a newsletter looking, evaluating things from culture, and, and certainly I would be, uh, be very happy to, to look over some things if any, any of you are budding writers and would like to write in that kind of vein. Uh, be happy to to look to see if you might have something that we could use as, uh, that we could just take from you, and I would take credit for it. No, I'm just joking. I would put your name on it. Uh, but anyway, it might be something that's of interest to you. So talk to me after. Thank you so much for having me here.